0: Uh, So we have been we started a new series last week on the church and uh, I shared last week there you know years ago in the very kind of beginning stages of the vineyard John Wimber developed uh, an illustration he had four analogies uh, for the church what is what is the role what does the church do what is our place in life and culture and he developed these four sort of Analogies of the church that we talked about in the introduction. The, the household or family of God. Church is a hospital, a place of healing. It's a school, a place of equipping and training. And it's an army. It's, it's really a force in the world today. So we did an overview of that. And beginning today and over the next four weeks, Kevin and I are going to alternate back and forth, looking at each one of those four areas in a little more detail Uh, I switched the order up on you a little bit, and this morning I'm going to talk to you about the church as a hospital. So that's what we're going to look at today is the church as a hospital. I would like to say a quick prayer if we could, and then we'll go. Lord, thanks for your word and for uh, the opportunity we have to look into it and to learn, and to learn more about your heart and how you work in our lives. I pray you'd uh, just help us to see and understand that today in a greater way your name we pray, amen. I want to review just a couple points I made in the intro about the hospital uh, section last week. Uh, w- one is that we all have wounds. We talked about the family first, and I said, you know, pretty much everybody comes into the family uh, hurt in some way or another. So here, I'll give you guys a little secret. In case nobody has told you yet, let me be the first. Life's hard. It really is. Life is hard. I don't think there's any way possible uh, to get through it unscathed. Somehow along the way, we're going to get beat up a little bit. Some more, some less. Some people are going to maybe get through kind of okay, not too bad. Others are really going to get run over by a truck along the way, maybe twice. And so we all have Scars, we all have pain, we all have wounds, we all have hurt um, and as I shared last week, failure to admit those things really it prevents us then from being able to be healed of them right if we If we pretend that there's nothing wrong we we won't get better uh, it's It's like this it's really very much like being physically sick. gentlemen, uh, any of you guys ever just get sick or hurt or something? You go, I, I'm not going to the doctor. Forget that. Anybody? Guys? I'm the only one? No, I see you. Yes. That's the way we are. That's what men do. Uh, but we're not smart because if you don't go to the doctor, you really don't get better. If you pretend it'll go away, chances are, I mean, some things will actually go away. Most things will get worse. So you, 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 when we don't admit that we have hurt in our lives, we really prevent ourselves from being healed. So that was, that was one thing we said last week. And then the other thing that really I think is super important is that healing happens in the context of relationship. Uh, I, I really agree. There, there's an author, uh, he's a theologian, scholar, writer, guy, commentator that I like named John Stott. He's English, but that's okay. Um, and, and Stott says, all healing is divine healing. All healing is divine healing. I really agree with that. I think it all comes from God, and God employs different means in healing people. Um, I thank God. I really do. I thank God for doctors and nurses and the medical community. Um, I think they are gifted people who serve others and help others, and I I thank God for that. Uh, I also thank God for other means of healing. I thank God for prayer. I, I, I love nothing more than when I don't feel good and somebody prays for me, and I get better. I like that. I I thank God for counseling. I really think a lot of healing happens in that opportunity to really, uh, someone that's skilled and gifted to help us get in touch with why we feel certain ways. So I'm blessed by by that process. Sometimes just being with people, being connected in itself is a healing agent. You ever notice that? Just being in a group, being in a church. being So to me, It's all healing. It's all healing, but it all happens in relationship. It doesn't happen in isolation. I just, real quick, this is not in my notes. I have to say this. I really, you know, in the church today, in the church world, there's a spectrum of beliefs. There are different interpretations of Scripture. I get that. That, All right? And I'm okay with that. I've said here publicly many times, you don't have to agree with me. That's fine. You know, you can think one thing, I think another. I'm perfectly okay with that some theological perspectives to me are actually uh, damaging. At that point, I kind of go, you know, I'm concerned a little bit because I think that causes harm. And on both ends of the spectrum, uh, in regard to healing, I think there are some damaging theologies. On one end, and we've all seen this in the news because we have some folks near us that ascribe to this, is that if you... Go to a doctor, if you use any sort of medicine to, he, to, for, to get better, that's a lack of faith and you're being disobedient to God. Uh, that's harmful. That's not in the Bible anywhere, okay? Forget that one. And on the other end of, this, of the spectrum, there are those that say that God doesn't heal today. Uh, uh, can be equally harmful, I think, maybe not as dramatically, but Uh, Not a biblical perspective at all. It's just not. It's interesting to me, people that say that usually are the ones that say the word, the word, the word. And they go, well, I don't know, which word are you reading? I'm not sure, I don't see that. I'm not finding that part where God doesn't heal anymore. Um, I think God does. I think God heals. His will for our lives is that we behold people. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, mentally. And his heart is that we would move towards that uh, in this life. And God will bring healing to us as we seek him out. And I would encourage you, uh, if you care at all what, what I think, to, to employ whatever means you can. If, if God heals you through a doctor, go to the doctor. If God heals you through prayer, get prayer. If God heals you in counseling, get counseling. It's not a lack of faith to do those things. So the, the church is a hospital. It's a, it's a hospital is a, is a place of healing. And I really think this is important and, and part of the reason I just shared what I, I shared what I just did is that I think this is one of the most important roles we are as the church to fulfill in culture, in our society, in the world today. Uh, look, all through the New Testament, we are ambassadors of Jesus, right? We're representatives of Jesus. We say that in a hundred different ways. We're his hands and his feet, right? We're the one, you know, God works through us today, right? We, that's, everybody understand that? What did Jesus do? If we're his ambassadors, if we're his representatives, we're his hands and his feet, should we not do what Jesus did? Jesus healed people. 20% roughly, I don't, not, don't hold me to that exact number, count the verses, I don't care. About 20% of the four gospel accounts deal with healing. That's a lot. 20% of what we have recorded about the life of Jesus deals with healing. That's a lot. Jesus healed people. Jesus healed physical conditions. He healed spiritual conditions. He healed emotional conditions. He healed relational conditions. Jesus brought healing into the lives of those people that he encountered. That's what Jesus did. And if, if, if we are going to be his ambassadors, if we are really ambassadors of Christ, then that's what we will do as well. It's my, this is my conviction if the church is functioning as it's supposed to, that we would be the greatest force for healing in the world today. I I really do believe that. Uh, It's kind of sad at one level because I don't think we're functioning the way we're supposed to. But I think if we are functioning the way we're supposed to, we would be the greatest force for healing in the world today. I, I think people would come to the church to find wholeness in God. Jesus ministered in both words and works. This is another thing that uh, our, my pastor, growing up, John Weber, used to say, it, it, "There's a focus on the words and the works." And if we read Scripture accurately, I, 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 really, I again, I just, I really believe that we're called to pray for the sick every bit as much as we are called to share our faith. In fact, to me, there, there there's very little distinction between the two as i as i read the gospel accounts there's very little separation between jesus sharing about the kingdom of god and healing people they're really the same thing they they go together to such a degree that there's there's very little distinction between the two we talked last week about love and learning to love one another and 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 love being uh really a healing agent and i think we all can we, we know that we we get that we feel that love is foundational. I think it's the basis for all healing. Um, y- you know, and, and to me, whether that happens spontaneously, if I pr- if, if if Dave says I have a headache and I pray for Dave and his headache goes away, there 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 is an exchange of love. God's love was coming through me to Dave right now. That's why God heals supernaturally. Just. It's not because he earned it. It wasn't because he's a better person than you. It's because God loves him. That's why. It's, it's an expression of God's love is what healing is. It's the foundation for, for all healing. And so with love as a foundation, I want to look real quickly at three elements of healing that I think need to be in place for, for healing to take place in the life of the church today. Three, three elements that I want to look at. The first one is the welcome of the kingdom. In, in a vineyard, we, have, you know, we say... Come as you are, right? Come as you are. And initially, I think, when, when, the, when the vineyard started back in the, in the 70s, uh, the, the protocol by and large in, in the church in America was people wore uh, suits and ties and dressed up for church, and that's the, what you did. And, and so there was part of that saying that kind of became, no, it's okay. Just wear your jeans, wear your, wear your flip-flops. That's okay. And today, I think everybody does. I don't know. Do, do people dress up for any church anymore? I don't know. Not really? Kind of a little bit. But but it really didn't have that much to do with what you were wearing. That was just sort of an outward expression of an inward reality. It really meant come as you are. It really meant the, the, the protocol for church life at that time was also, you can't come to church if your life's a mess. If you sin in your life, if you're screwing up, you've got to take care of that first. Then you can join us. Because well, we're all good in here. Well, you know, that's not really true, is it? And, and so come as you are really meant, hey, whatever condition you're in, you, you, you are welcome to come. Come as you are. J- Jesus welcomed everyone. Jesus welcomed sinful people. Okay. Jesus welcomed sinful people. He welcomed prostitutes. Those are, that's a simple person, by the way. Je- Jesus welcomed, he was, he was accused of being a, a drunkard and a glutton. Why? Because he hung out with drunkards and gluttons. He went to their parties. He welcomed them. He welcomed tax collectors. A tax collector is not just somebody that people don't like because he collects taxes. A tax collector is really a cheat. That's what he is. A tax collector is somebody whose job it is to rip you off. So he's a sinner. So, so Jesus welcomed those people. Jesus welcomed people of other races and religions. Okay? Specifically Samaritans. But Samaritan would be representative of people that we would be fearful or hateful towards in, in our normal earthly mindset today in the world. They, they were... A, a, a kind of a despised race with a long-standing history of animosity between them and the Jews. And that's who Jesus welcomed. He went out of his way, frankly, to not only welcome Samaritans, but when he told stories to illustrate the welcome of the kingdom, he used Samaritans in his stories just just to make a point. He welcomed them. Jesus welcomed the... the uh, Social outcasts, who we might call marginalized people in society today. Uh, Lepers were, were not just sick people. They had a physical disease. But because of the nature of their disease, it was contagious. Lepers were completely marginalized. They were not allowed to be around other people. They literally had to yell, unclean, unclean, as they walked through town. Can you imagine walking through the mall? yelling, unclean, unclean. They, 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 were the, they were the outcasts of the day, and yet Jesus welcomed them. Jesus welcomed the demonized people into his presence, into his heart, into his life. I, I think, to, to me, you know, this, is a whole, this is another message for another day. People ask a lot about how come we don't see that today. This is my theory. My theory is that we are integrated beings, our spirit and our mind and our heart and our physical bodies are all connected. They're not so distinct and separate. And I really think we see uh, incredible amounts of, of mental illness. I mean, you, you read the statistics today. And, and I think a lot of that is, has some spiritual aspect and dimension to it. Why aren't there people running around cutting themselves with knives in graveyards today? Well, because most of them are locked up somewhere. I'll just be really honest about that. I, I really think that's why. I, I, I'm not going to tell you stories. I've, I've met them. <laughs> Been there. Uh, Talked with those people. Uh, Jesus welcomed all those people in in a patriarchal, a strictly severely patriarchal society. Jesus made a point to welcome women and children into his presence and into his heart and into his life. Again, intentional. That, that, that was an intentional thing he did. You, you, you know, the disciples said, the disciples said, Jesus, get these kids out of here. She said, no, no, no. You bring them to me. Bring them to me. He welcomed them in. So the, the welcome of the kingdom, if, if we are going to be, church, a place of healing today, we need to have that welcome as well. We need to be willing to welcome whoever walks in the door. And Anything less is, is less than the welcome of the kingdom of God. Second thing is, Acceptance and acceptance to me is a step beyond welcome, because acceptance means that we don't have judgment or a legalistic attitude towards those people that we say we welcome. Another phrase we used to use back in the day was the Church of the Walking Wounded, and and uh, it was just an acknowledgement: <laughs> we're, we're, we're all screwed up. Uh, but, to, but for the church to be an agent of healing here, two things not have to happen. On one side, yes, we have to be willing, those that have pain and scars in our life and wounds in our life, we have to be willing to admit those things. But the other side of that coin is that the rest of us then need to be willing to accept those people where they are, okay? We, we can't say you have to get yourself together a little bit before you can come here. We, we can't say that or we really aren't uh, going to be able to bring healing to anybody. Uh, have you ever noticed this is when when you're sick when you don't feel good it makes you behave differently than you would otherwise. anybody ever notice that? Why are you looking at your husband? <laughs> I, I, I don't I will admit I will acknowledge I will take the blame. Uh, I'll take the heat off of Shane right now. I don't get sick very often but when I do it's not pretty. I tend to be grumpy, more grumpy. I tend to be kind of whiny, and I'm not a very nice person to be around. When I get sick, the best thing that can happen is I go in a room somewhere and close the door. No one comes in, and I don't come out until I'm better, because otherwise it's just not good. Um, My point is simply this. Sometimes when we're sick, that pain comes out in other ways. And so if people come to us and they're grumpy or whiny or not very nice... We cast judgments on them when maybe what we should be saying is, Hey, this person's really in pain. I don't think they feel good. Maybe I can do something to help them get better. Maybe if I'm willing to welcome and accept them into my heart and my life, uh, I can help them get better. I think that's what it's about. See, but here and that's the thing. Let me just make sure we clarify. The goal really is to get better, kids. Okay, the goal is to get better. If if we really are a truly a healing environment then we'll help each other get better we'll help each other along the process it's okay to come as you are it's really it's not okay to stay as you are sometimes we have to say hey you know you've been you've been in this condition you've been in this place for a long time you know it's time to allow God to come in and begin to make some changes in your heart so that you can move forward and not stay in that place anymore that place isn't a good place to be there's a better place there's a better place. Everyone's pain is different. Everyone who, some people will process pain more quickly than others. Some people will you know, be able to move forward more quickly than others. That's okay. That, that's where we help each other along. You know, If I'm moving too fast, I need to slow down and help you along a little bit. But the goal is to move forward, and we have to allow each other to do that. And, and that brings me to the, the third and, and the last um, Aspect of healing, which is compassion. Compassion, really, if I could... What is compassion? To me, it's getting in touch with the heart of God. And I know compassion is used outside of Scripture, but the word in Scripture, which we've talked about before, or something. It's a, it's a big, long Greek word. Um, that word, biblically speaking, to me, compassion is getting in touch with the heart of God. That's what it is. It's getting in touch... With the heart of God. There's a summary text, Matthew 9, I believe, is the foundational kind of summary text for all kingdom ministry. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. See, that's the whole enchilada right there. I mean, I mean there's, it's the words and the works, right? Jesus is proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and then he's demonstrating the good news of the kingdom by bringing healing into people's lives. That's what he's doing. He saw the crowds, and he had compassion on them. Is, here's the litmus test. If you, are, if you have compassion, this is the differentiation between a compassionate kingdom mindset or paradigm and a non-kingdom mindset or paradigm. When you see crowds, what do you think? Well, I mean, I get annoyed. Right? Let's just be honest. Most of us, don't like crowds. We see crowds of people who go, oh crap, there's somebody in the place that I want to be in right now. That's what we think. Jesus looked at crowds and his heart broke. Because he saw them, how did he see them? Like sheep without a shepherd. I, I, I'm not a shepherd in the, in the real actual sense. I, I don't know a lot, but I've heard sheep are not bright. And so, sheep without a shepherd, that's a bad situation. They're going to get eaten, okay? They're, they're defenseless. They can't run. They're really not very bright. They're going to get eaten. They're going to get hurt. They're going to fall and get hurt. They're going to get lost. And they're probably going to starve to death because they are so stupid, they can't even find food and water on their own. Sheep without a shepherd, are it's a bad, bad situation. They need help. That's what Jesus saw when he saw the crowds of people. He said, oh, my gosh, they need help. <laughs> They're going to fall and get hurt. They're going to get lost. They're going to starve to death. They're going to get eaten. All of those things. So if, if we. Church are to be or do anything, I think it would be to express the compassion of Jesus. That's what I think we're supposed to do. Com- com- compa- and here's the thing about w- compassion is a precipitory work of the Holy Spirit. It really is. Biblically speaking, compassion is a precipitory work of the Holy Spirit. God feels compassion. And as his Holy Spirit touches our hearts, he causes us to begin to feel compassion. At that level, it's really different than charity or even social justice. Um, There's a difference here. And and I I want you to understand and, and hear me correctly. You can do the right thing because it's the right thing to do right? We we can say, and a lot of people do this, there's a lot of agencies, and this is not bad by any means. This is good. Uh, There's a disaster over here, uh, you know, in, in somewhere in Haiti right now, there's an earthquake. So we need to send some people there to help them. That's the right thing to do. And we can do that because it's the right thing to do. That's not bad, but that's not compassion. Compassion is when God compels us to go do that, and we can't not do it. That's compassion. I, I re, there was an interview with a guy who was the bishop, the overseeing bishop for Mother Teresa, which, first of all, has got to be uh, like the worst job in the world, right? But what do you do? I'm Mother Teresa's boss. So what do you do when she gets out of line? You know what I mean? How do you... What do you... Mother, you know, you just, you know I, I can't imagine trying to tell Mother Teresa what to do. I just can't imagine. But in an interview... He said this. It wasn't the sick that drove mother to the streets. It was God. She didn't do it because there were sick people there. She did it because God put compassion in her heart and she couldn't not do it. That's biblical compassion. So I want to close with a really quick look at uh, the compassion of Jesus. Just a quick overview. I'm going to look at about eight verses, but I'll do it really, really fast. The compassion of Jesus in both the, the words and the works, Je- Jesus did compassion. He acted compassionately, and he also taught on compassion. So I'm going to look at both, but I've reversed the order. So we will look at the works of Jesus first. And first, uh, Matthew 14, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. So on a regular basis, when Jesus saw crowds of people, compassion was what filled his heart, and he began to act upon that command compassion next verse is in matthew jesus called his disciples to him and he said i have compassion for these people they have already been with me three days have nothing to eat i do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way i love that um, so he fed those that were in need so it's not just healing that compassion compassion really is meeting the needs of people so what we do here it, we you know is really a, compa- a ministry of compassion people are hungry they need to eat jesus saw that he said i can't not do that i gotta feed him i gotta take care of him if the, the disciples again were kind of like just get, send him home get him out of here um that's part of the heart of god A man with leprosy came to you and he begged him on his knees if you are willing you can make me clean jesus was indignant and that word indignant by the way this is the same greek word as the, that's translated compassion in other places same word they just translated it different here um which I think was good. I liked that because I, I think it made, it, it made him angry. Not at the person, but at the condition, at the situation. There's a righteous anger that comes up. He was indignant. He said, If I, uh, uh, he touched the man and I said, I am willing to be clean. So Jesus responded to that as well. And another one uh, from Luke as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow, and a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. And that, again, is the same word there. Uh, Don't cry, he said. He went up and touched the buyer they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up, began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. That's an interesting text, I think, because I really think he had compassion on the mother. He was compassionate towards her situation there. So what did he do? He brought her son back for her. And then the last one there, Jesus asked the boy's father. Uh, this is a, this is, um, a, a situation where uh, the, the, the young guy is demonized and he's, he's behaving inappropriately in public. Uh, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it's thrown him into the fire of water to kill him, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, what do you think? Uh, Everything is possible for one who believes. And so, again, he has compassionate compassionless person. So, Jesus, again, I, the, here's the process, can, can just really, really quickly. Compassion is this. We see something, and we see it with the eyes of God. We feel something, we feel it with the heart of God, and then we do something. Okay, it's not, I don't, this whole thing where we, uh, you see something, and you go, oh my gosh, that's terrible, and then you flip the channels. That's not compassion. Okay, you, you have to, you ha- there's a response. Jesus responded. So then there's the words of Jesus. Jesus taught on compassion as well. Uh, Jesus taught primarily uh, using uh, something called parables. A parable is really a story that illustrates a truth. It's a simple way of communication. And most of his stories, again, were about people that other people would not want their stories to be about. Um, but he did that intentionally, and, and he taught on compassion. Uh, At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay him back everything. The servant's master took pity, which is the same word compassion on him, canceled the debt and let him go. You know know where that story comes, what that is about? This is when Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive? Seven times? Jesus says 70 times seven. And then he tells him this story. And you know what happens at the end of the story. The guy that this guy forgave went and did not forgive somebody that owed him. So he didn't learn the lesson. But that's what, that's what Jesus is talking about there. Um, kind of a well-known story. A Samaritan, and again, he just picked the most hated person he could pick, came where the man was. He saw him, he took pity on him, went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave it them to the innkeeper, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy or compassion on him. And Jesus replied, go do likewise. Maybe if there's a better known story, this would be it, I suppose. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, and he ran through his arms around his son and him. So, both in works and words, Jesus illustrated, lived a life of compassion. (coughs) And again, as I said a minute ago, his compassion always results in action. And I just, I really believe if we are to be a hospital, a place of healing, a healing agency in the world today, we need to do what Jesus did. We need to live the way Jesus lived. We need to be willing to, to welcome people, to accept people where they are, and to have compassion on on them and help bring healing into their lives—that's that's what I believe we're called to do and be in, a, in the world today. Um, I'm blessed by you guys; I really am. I, I think you guys do a good job of this. I really do. I, I, I go to—I mean, I have friends. I have friends. Uh, I, I have friends in other churches and. They tell me stories, and I, I go, seriously? Oh. I brag about you guys. I'm proud of you guys. I think you do a great job. Bye, lunch, So let's stand. Look at that. Um. <laughs> I'm going to ask our ministry team to come up, and I suppose it would be appropriate to pray for healing today. Um, so this morning, you know, um, healing of the whole person. If you, have, if you have physical pain in your body, you're sick, something like that. I don't know if anybody, I talked about headaches earlier just as an illustration. I don't know if anybody has a headache today or not. Anybody have a migraine or not? Um, but if you do, come up and certainly let us pray for you. Uh, but other things as well. You know, healing might be emotional. Maybe you're you're grieved or sad over something hurt in other ways, whatever it might be, there's folks up here that would love to pray for you, and we would love to pray for you as well. So just, we're going to worship for a minute, the ladies will lead us, and uh, if you want prayer just come up here to the sides of the room, somebody will get with you and pray with you.